Hi everyone, uh, I'm John McKellar, one half of Ball Caps and Bagpipes, which is uh, normally a Scottish baseball podcast. We uh, are devoted to the Baseball Scotland National League, but um, as anyone who's joined us this past week will know, uh, this week and for the next couple of weeks, we're doing a very special project for the uh, the Negro League uh, art fundraiser that's coming up between fourth and tenth of October. Um, I'm here with my co-host Jason there. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm a former Baseball Scotland president and Baseball Scotland Hall of Famer. So, uh, yep, we're not talking about Scottish baseball. We're talking to one of the artists today, and we've got Greg Garfingel from Baseball Days. I said that right, right, Greg? That's, that's correct. Okay. So we, we touched you in L.A. Where in L.A. exactly are you? We were about 30 minutes outside of downtown Los Angeles in a suburb called Porter Ranch uh, in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, made infamous or famous by uh, you know the movie Valley Girl, which is probably before your time as well. I, I but, know uh, Valley Girl, so I'm I'm a bit older here. Like I said, I just have a baby face. <laughs> That's like how working for me. I, I had a beard like yours about a month ago, and I actually shaved it on my 45th birthday, so I looked younger. So, right, okay, okay, yeah, I've got the the COVID beard going on, and uh, since I I don't see clients or judges very frequently right now, I'm kind of just letting it go. So speaking of that, said obviously you have baseball always. Um, you have a different career. So you're a lawyer. I am, unfortunately, or fortunately, I am. I've been <laughs> a, a business litigator for about thirty years, right. uh, practicing in you know the the entirety of California, and I also uh, monitor some litigation nationwide. And do you specialize in anything in particular? Uh, most of my clients are related to the transportation industry. Uh, I don't do personal injury. I do compliance work and catastrophic cargo loss and real interesting stuff that, uh, uh, you know, chicks dig the long ball, but they don't dig transportation law. Uh, so <laughs> no, it's, it's funny uh, you say that. I was reading an article last night on, um, on what do you call it, um, the back ends of the truck. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, it's a little tired. Of, I'm rolling solo for the past week. My wife's not here. She's back in Sweden. Um, the cargo, like, uh, that people put on the really? side of the road and get stolen quite frequently. It, it happens. It's probably happening as we speak right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they just roll around it, in their cab and look for just somebody that's put something on the side of the road and they'll just hitch it up and take it somewhere. Or or something more sinister too. Right. You know, okay. <laughs> it's a lot of, uh, I don't want to talk too much about this for obvious reasons, but a lot of it involves <laughs> organized crime. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I've had cases where it's pretty obvious that they knew what was in the three containers out of the 400 that were on the lot uh, that were stolen. So yeah, it's, it's let's, uh, let's move swiftly away from that then and then to baseball, Greg. Uh, let's start off. Uh, you mentioned that you're from kind of the LA area. Um, tell us about your baseball background. Uh, growing up, did you play? And if so, to what level uh, and uh, what positions did you specialize in, if any? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I started playing. I, my mom gave me a baseball bat and a, a wiffle ball, I think, at the age of seven. Uh, I'm 55 now. That kind of hurts saying that. Uh, but I played all the way through college um, and then uh, had to make it. You know, I'm, I'm very slow. Uh, my speed is somewhere between Rusty Staub and Steve Balboni, if you know those players. Yeah, yeah I'm um, well aware of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless to say, I, I uh, you know, I opted to become a little bit more serious in my studies, but I continue to play. I play in a uh, a couple of fast pitch leagues with uh, the men's leagues that are out here, um, and I mean, it's you know, people my age. There's 80 teams of, of guys my age just in the valley where I live. 
So coach um, has been a passion of mine. I've coached uh, both of my boys through little league. Um, and uh, I'll coach again when I retire. I ump volunteer. I mean, I can't get enough of the game and I, and I love it more and more as time goes by. So what positions did you play when you were growing up? I played, well, I was, when I was smaller, I played shortstop and pitcher. And then when I, I, uh, I got a little bit more third baseman, like I moved over to third base and still pitched up till um, my junior year in high school. Excellent. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say there, Jason? I said, I, I was going to say with his speed, I was guessing first base, you know, like myself, because, you know, I, I'm a speedster on the pass as well. <laughs> Wait, is that yeah. why Jason took me at first base? Yeah, that's 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 where they put the uh, the uh, third bases where you put the people with good reactions, but not too much uh, speed. It's more of a reactionary position from my yeah, standpoint. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I tell guys out here, because you literally get guys who have gone to New York, Boston, Toronto. Uh, actually, funny enough, uh, my uh, Florida, you can see a lot of people go to Tampa Bay games because they go to Disney World and uh, they come back and go, I saw a game. I love it. And they go out and buy a glove and they go, OK, <laughs> I'm ready to play. So you really have to start with the basics of a guy who's, who's never made, ever thrown a ball or field the ball like that there. And so you kind of go, OK, all right, we start you at second base or right field. And as you progress, we can see the talent level. We can kind of move you around there. But that third base is just like I said, it's like you. you You've got half a second to decide which direction you're going. Right. Yeah, that's why I love it. The more the, I find, the less I think when I'm playing baseball, the better I do. <laughs> so shortstop, I have too much time to think about and analyze the ball, whereas third baseman, I react. So you, you took some advice from Crash Davis. You know, don't think me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So tell us about your uh, your art. If you want to call yourself an artist, and say you don't want to call yourself an artist. But yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, to me, the artists in this. Well, I mean, there's many, many artists that are participating. I did this kind of as a joke right. uh, to start a couple of years ago, um, where I started just uh, piecing balls together and seeing how they look. I started making baseball wreaths uh, to assist my son in a fundraiser for his high school, and I find that. Um, you know, as time goes by, I'm getting a little bit more creative and and uh, doing things that I look at and say, wow, I think that looks cool. I can't believe I did that. Right. Um, and I try to inject and try to utilize my knowledge and my love for the game and the pieces that I create. You know, I don't just want to I mean, it's not just a painting. It's kind of a, like the, the decoupage projects that I've done that I've uh, donated for, for the for the cause, uh, you know, kind of track some of the who's who in the Negro Leagues. Uh, the other piece is a Jackie Robinson piece, and it's and it's if I can educate somebody about who Cool, cool Papa Bell was, or uh, Ray Dandridge, or you know, um, Root Foster. I mean, that to me, I'm doing a service, and it's an educational thing for the public as well. Yeah, I saw that you did a Roberto Clemente one as well. Yeah, I mean, there's really no. My son wants me to do one of the uh, ones on Joe Kelly, the famous pout face. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar <laughs> with that. Uh, we had an, a local artist do a mural out here on a building, which is getting a lot of uh, uh, press. And I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I, I've, seen? I've seen it all over Instagram. Like it's all over Twitter here. The, the, so maybe a small 
a fan base here, but they're very passionate. Like I said, you know, if you're, if you're going to be watching games late in the morning, you're pretty committed to, you know, being there. So, um, yeah, we all see that, saw the Joe Kelly uh, mural, which is awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of people go, you know, uh, like uh, we need to get shirts made up with him and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, right. so you know, we follow it pretty well. So it's just more of like actually finding people to talk with. This is one reason we're enjoying interviewing everybody because if it wasn't for you guys, we don't have no one to talk baseball with. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know most of my stuff tends to be the things that i've been commissioned to do are, are mostly they're pretty dodger intensive um and uh you know the the old school dodgers when people remained on teams for longer than you know three years uh with a garvey say lobes and uh i've done some stuff for steve yeager who's actually a friend of mine all right um, okay yeah just different things like that but uh it's just kind of um it's fun and it's it's very moving for me to see somebody that looks at something I did and said, "Wow, I really I really like that." And it's very contrary to what I do as an attorney, which doesn't give you a lot of you know you don't get a lot of pats on the back. You get a lot of clowns <laughs> and why did this cost me so much? So it's completely polar opposite sort of feelings generated from the, from the art that I do. So uh, how did you meet Steve Yeager and become good friends? Uh, he how did I meet him? He was put in touch with me actually through a friend of a local Little League. Right. Um, my wife, unfortunately, um, had breast cancer, was diagnosed in 2007. And, and for some reason, he kind of just became friendly with me and was just a very nice guy. And, and uh, after we made that just initial contact, he retained me as his attorney. Right. And so I've represented him on a couple of matters. And we just remained in touch. And uh, actually, my son, my oldest son, um, uh, worked for Steve at the local sandwich shop that he and his wife owned right, uh, right down the street from us. So, um, but he's just, you know, my unfortunately, my wife passed in 2012. And, um, you know, I had known him at that point for less than a year, but him and his wife were at the service, which to me showed a lot about what kind of a human being he is. Right. Because I want to say... <laughs> Was he in uh, the Wax Pack book? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah, because you mentioned the sandwich shop. That is that ring bells, and I was just like, "Yeah, I totally I read that." And I was like, "Yeah, I remember him talking about the sandwich shop." <laughs> That's where the interview took place. I think in booth number one, um, and uh, that that took. Uh, yeah, there's been like a lot of the you know when they had the grand opening, opening they had a bunch of Dodgers come by, and um, but yeah, they the uh, I learned a lot about him from that book too. The book was great. Um, we got asked to review it as part of a book club for baseball fans over in the UK. So uh, it, it was a really good book. For me, that was a lot of nostalgia because that was the first uh, baseball card set I got was 86 tops. And so when I uh -huh. saw that, I was like, oh, man, like th this is it. I remember taking that set apart my parents went what are you doing why are you taking the set apart we're like well look at all the cards i want to read the backs and all that you know like no no you gotta keep it together uh, so, so yeah that was good read and i really enjoyed kind of uh, hearing what the players had done with their careers afterwards Th those that were willing to speak <laughs> yes <yeah. laughs> but yeah i know it was a good book so yeah that that's pretty cool I, gosh that's just funny i was all gone full circle now so <laughs> um so i was gonna say uh, with your art you do kind of is it mixed media you use i see is it like 
press clippings you find? Is it you print out the work and? Yeah, I mean, I do all kinds of different things. I don't know if you saw my website. I I started the thing that's that really gained a lot of traction was that I was making flags, um, you know, whatever whatever flag or whatever group you belong to, um, utilizing miniature baseball bats mm -hmm. and uh, paint and different reclaimed wood products, and that um, continues to keep me very very busy. Uh, and then. Um, I just thought that I, I was trying to figure out a way to do the Pledge of Allegiance onto the flag that was a baseball flag, and then I came up with the uh, uh, the decoupage approach, and that's right. basically, um, you know, the two pieces that I've donated to for uh, uh, for the fundraiser decoupage with they're on reclaimed wood, and then the decoupage, and then it's lightly painted over. Right. Um, and that way, you know, you could get a truly customized. Somebody says, "Hey, I want." Uh, you know, I want the 74 A's. And it's like, okay, even though it pains me to do that, um, I'll do that. Uh, don't know that I'm going to do an Astros project, but we'll see. Um, oh, no, don't do an Astros. <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> I have, I had, uh, I have uh, stickers on my trash cans out here that say the Houston Astros. So I, I put them all on the trash cans. Uh, so they get the. Uh, you know, all my refuse and dumped every Tuesday, which I think that team should be dumped as well. So it's funny you say that because we're interviewing uh, John Sheezer from Ephus Mark. Have you heard of him? I have not. Okay, yeah. So I, I've known him on Instagram for probably over a year now. But he's got, again, he's in, I think he's in LA as well. But he's got this great shirt with the world Houston Astros uh, World Championship thing. But then he is screen printed cheater all the way down it and just across it all there. It's amazing. <laughs> It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's no love lost, and I think I hope that I hope they don't get off the hook just by not having fans in the stands this year, because I think that should follow them for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's it's a tough one. Like, like <laughs> I I feel for the Dodgers fans. I was like, I'm not an Astros fan at all. So you know, don't, don't see them having hey. or not. It's tough. What? Well. <laughs> Well, the Yankees fans. <laughs> Everyone hates the Yankees. <laughs> well, that color combination that John, that color combination that John's rocking has a little bit of a '76 Astros to it. Oh God, no! I'll need to Up put top. something else. On. <laughs> he's gonna change. He's gonna put his jersey on now. That's what he's gonna do. So I, I, yeah. I believe it's his Italian football team that, he, that he's wearing. Okay, we'll let him slide. Yeah, I, I I don't follow football much or soccer much out here unless it's World Cup and Euro Cup. So John's the football expert. I, I couldn't tell you what it is. <laughs> He's putting John. Problem solved. So what is that there jersey, John? This is the Glasgow Comets jersey. My player issue, Glasgow Comets jersey from 2020. So I bet the one you just covered. The one I just covered is uh, this year's Roma jersey. I see. That's what I thought. It's a soccer jersey. <laughs> <laughs> or football as we call it because that's what it is okay much better <laughs> the interview can resume yes <laughs> so yeah I, I didn't i didn't check out your website but I'm particularly asking about your artwork because uh i saw the two pieces that you were definitely going to donate to uh our fundraise for the the negro league fundraiser um, but like, how do you make the baseball roses? I saw those and then that's really complicated. Yeah. Those, those, uh, have the highest amount of pain, uh, affiliated with them because I, I, uh, 
I wish you could see my hands. I'll give you, I've got another story too for you, but um, each rose is uh, cut with an exacto knife and then recut into four petals. And then I have to uh, take each one of those and hot glue them onto a form, which is the same shape as a bud. Right. And the injury, I've never felt pain until I've got hot glue on my hand. And it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, just a real quick story is I, I went into a doctor's appointment and uh, he looked at my hands and he goes, he goes, you sure don't have the hands of a lawyer. And I go, I'll tell you what, I go, that's probably the nicest compliment that anybody's ever paid me is that, you know, I look that I act like I actually do something with my hands instead of, uh, you know, what exists <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> uh, so as it, it's grown, because you've been doing it for three years, do you see yourself going anywhere in particular with your art or you just kind of see where it takes you? Uh, pretty much. I mean, every every day I kind of wake up with a different thought and I like that especially right now with, with, uh, with, the, with the chaos that is the United States, um, it's nice to have that release and just kind of go and focus on something that's completely, you know, outside of reality. Um, and I, I see myself doing that. I was thinking, you know, I've got to work at least another 10 years. I got two boys to put through college. Uh, but I, I think that I'll always do something like this. Um, you know, I'm starting to play around with making furniture with, baseball themed or decoupage or uh repurposing and, and things like that so i i'm i'm hopeful that the ideas will continue to come and i can you know keep keep working on it yeah. and what do your kids think about this are they like totally cool with this or are they just like oh man yeah, yeah what are you doing no i mean uh, when when i was doing uh keychains that i do i was driving my older son to school and uh my right arm hurt and i go uh Man, I go, man, I've been, I've been sewing too much, and I like looked, up, <laughs> I looked over at him. I go, is that something you ever thought you'd hear your father say? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they get a kick out of it now. I think at first they thought it was a little bit much, but uh, I guess the thought is, uh, you know, I take the money that 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 I make and we go fishing with it, so they're benefiting from it, so they can't criticize it too much. Uh, so, uh, what kind of fishing do you do then? All saltwater. Saltwater. Right, All saltwater okay. fishing. Um, and the fishing on our coast is is fantastic. Um, you know, people here in L.A. and they think dirty water, but I'll they could keep thinking that, and I'll just keep going out with my friends and, and you know, catching tuna and yellowtail and, and everything that we have on our coast. Right. See, that's funny because I spent a month in uh, in Venice, or actually in Venice, Marina del Rey, and, uh, yeah. uh -huh. and I was on the beach, and for, it was like mid-October. And I was like, it's 80 degrees out. This is great. Like, I'm running around in shorts. And everyone's like, it's cold. It's 80 degrees out. I couldn't believe it. And I was playing around in the water. And people are like, what are you doing? Like, the sign says, don't go in the water. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, um, it was 2007. So there was a couple of signs that said, you know, uh, I think there was something in the water at that time. They were advising people not to go in the water. Yeah, I just... It's funny you mentioned that, Jason, because the boats that I take out, we go out of the uh, Marina del Rey. Right, yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, that's the, where the, the landing is that we go out of, and we fish Catalina or some of the islands off our coast. Yeah, no, and then that, and, like, uh, I was staying with a guy in Venice on, uh, I'm trying to think, the famous road that everyone knows is down that way. 
and it was literally a 15 minute walk to the beach and the, the amount of looks i got from people walking to the beach was amazing because everyone's like i, I walk everywhere in scotland they're they like you walk to the beach i'm like yeah it's a 15 minute walk <laughs> yeah no one could believe yeah. it even my the guy i was staying with was like i've never walked to the beach i've driven and i've taken my bike but i've actually never walked <laughs> yeah, everything's relative yeah 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 uh, but, you know, but for me, it my, we, we had all the time in the world. So I was enjoying myself out in LA. It was a great time. I, I think I ate my body weight in tacos because you can't get tacos in Scotland. Oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah. Although saying that, much... you, you, you came the wrong time. They do haggis burritos out here. Do they really? Yeah, they're really good. <laughs> I don't know about that. Most of what I know about uh, Scotland comes from the band Big Country and uh, my, my limited uh, experience there. Yeah, Big Country enough. is a great band, a fantastic I band, love one them. of the best Scottish bands of the 1980s, yeah. Yeah, I, I love them. Uh, I think have I you saw seen them, them live? four times. What's that, John? I was just about to ask, have you seen, have you seen them live? I think you were about to ask them a question. I saw them live four times. I saw them live four times and I was supposed to see them when they came out here um they came out here about five years back with um the former lead singer for the alarm and uh i wasn't able to see him but uh my my boys love him too which is kind of funny i i still yeah. think they're a better band than you too i'll go to my grave saying that <laughs> I'll agree with you. i'm not a fan of you too so i'll take that one <laughs> <laughs> you too had a, a, an Extraordinary catalog in the early days, but uh, I think that they kind of disappeared up the road. Asses quite a long time ago. Uh, whereas yeah. Big Country were just consistently, consistently underrated, but such good, such good output. Um, yeah, the Scottish. I'm going to say. Yeah, exactly. Gonna, I agree with you guys. <laughs> I think that's the first thing I'm going to tell my boys when I go back in the house. Is uh, you know, I, I just, uh, I just, I worshipped that band growing up. Cool. Uh, sorry, Jason, as you were. <laughs> no, I was going to let you ask your question so we get to open some cards here. So, All right, no worries. Um, so first off, uh, you mentioned obviously being in the LA area, you're obviously a Dodger fan. Uh, do you have any particular uh, Dodger memories that stand out? Dodger what? I'm sorry? Do, uh, do you have memories. any Dodger, Dodger memories that stand out for you uh, from your time growing up? I, John, I'm not picking up the second word, and I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the uh, accent. He's asking if you, do you have. Ha do you have any favorite Dodgers memories? <laughs> okay, there we go. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that the accent was a little bit heavy that time, John. I'm pretty good till then. Um, yeah, I'll tell you one one memory that we had, and it involves my my wife actually. And um, as I'd mentioned, she. Um, uh, had was re-diagnosed with breast cancer in 2007. And we took part in a, um, uh, the program was actually sponsored by Major League Baseball called Going to Bat Against Cancer. And it involved writing a essay that was judged nationwide. The long story short is we won the contest. Uh, so she was the honorary Dodger Batgirl uh, for a Mother's Day game in 2009. Wow. And, um, you know, the best, the best pictures that we have of our family are, you know, from that event and the way that the Dodgers treated us was just amazing, amazing. And, um, you know, they gave her a, a pink bat, monogram pink bat. Um, and, you know, but I've got so many. I've been, I mean, I've probably been to over 2,000 games. Oh, wow. I started, 
my first game was uh, first game I heard was August 9th, 1974. And, um, you know, in the two no hitters, um, gosh, never got a foul ball though. But, really? Uh, <laughs> Amazing. Is that because you're sitting behind home plate and the ball just doesn't come your way? Is that how it works? No, we, we know all the key spots to sit, Jason, but we've never gotten one. It's funny That's, that, like I said, I, so I, I, I've been to not nearly as many games as you are, and I literally go to batting practice because I know my chances are better at batting practice than they are at the game. And then I've had friends that like went to their first game and like, I got a ball. And I was like, oh, I hate you. You're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's I can't understand it. It's we've come close. We've had balls thrown to us, but that's not, you know, that's not fair. You got to no, catch you got to catch the live <laughs> ball all 80 miles per hour uh exit velocity of it. Yeah, exactly. Um so speaking of all your Dodger teams and so what's your favorite Dodger team throughout this say the last, you know, apart from 75. I said you got anyone particular say I'm kind of leaning towards the 88 Dodgers because that's when I really remember the World Series. <laughs> yeah, I was that was my first year of law school it was in 88. So I was watching the games up in San Francisco Giant territory. Um, uh, so I was watching it remotely. I mean, I love that team. I love the, You know, I love the 74. I love the, the Garvey Say Lopes um, yeah. years, you know, uh, I forgot Russell. Sorry about that. Um, that's really what, you know, where I cut my teeth on, on the game and started collecting baseball cards. And, and uh, you know, that's really what, what exposed me to the game. I, I, I absolutely love Mookie Betts, watching him play. I feel blessed to have him and that we're going to have him for a while. Uh, but every team has had different aspects that I've, you know, loved and kind of militated toward. Yeah, that's a... Uh, um... What was it? I lost my train of thought, but yeah, the, the Dodgers always have been a good team. It's one of those teams I, I don't necessarily hate because of their, oh, I know what to say. So um, I was listening to an interview with Daryl Strawberry and he was saying how he doesn't like the modern game and he misses the old managers like time of the sorta because he would argue and said with, you know, they're talking about robot umpires and, you know, you can basically, uh, you know, object to balls and strikes now. So you just don't have those fiery managers anymore. But it was just, yeah. so, he missed Lasorda. So, one of yeah, uh, my he, favorite baseball memories from the very first week I started watching games was Tommy Lasorda taking a bat from Vlad Guerrero uh, off the chest in the 2001 All Star game. And you know, the old, the, bastard, he, the old bastard got right back up and uh, was like, I'm totally fine. <laughs> it must, must have been in his 70s by then. Oh, at the, was that the All-Star game, John? Yeah, the 2001 All-Star game. Yeah, we, we call that ass over tea kettle. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember that. He did He did pop up pretty good. Yeah. Considering well, the speed so, that bat was going outrageous. It was Tommy's birthday the other day. I think it was like his 93rd or 94th. 93. Yeah, yeah, 93. Yeah. Yeah, 94, and then Vince Scully just auctioned off a bunch of his memorabilia. I put a bunch of bids in, but I didn't get anything. Um, but uh, so we've met Vince Scully a couple of times too. That was a highlight. That's cool. Um, I was so I was so nervous meeting him, Jason. I was trying to take a picture of my son with him, and the line that he said to me, I was fumbling with the phone. He goes, "What are you trying to do? Take an oil painting?" <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Before we wrap up, actually, Greg, I want to ask you this question as a kind of lay person over here. Um, you mentioned yeah. Vince Bully. Now, in America, um, it's not the same as it is over here where you would just have a national broadcast. You've obviously got local broadcasters. Uh, Vince Gully would have been the voice of your childhood. Um, for a guy like me or a guy like, like over here, tell me what a Vince Scully means to a young boy growing up in LA. Uh, oh, I, that was the first exposure to Major League Baseball that I had um, was Vince Scully. And I can, the reason I know it was August 9th, 1974. Uh, it was my birthday. And I opened a pack of baseball cards and somebody said, oh, yeah, they do the games on radio. And I turned the radio on. I remember exactly where I was in the house that I lived in. And I heard that that beautiful silver voice coming over the radio. And I, I can't I can't listen to any other broadcaster without judging what they're doing against Vince Scully. Um, and most of them fall woefully short. Um you know, and just Vin's ability to, to weave a story through the whole game without sounding like a homer uh, is a very, you know, you, ne you knew he was the Dodgers announcer, but it was, it was, he was fair. You know, if the other team made a good play, he would compliment them on it. It wasn't all, you know, who's paying me. Yeah. But, uh, and just, uh, just uh, probably my favorite personality in the game. Or right. associated with the game. Yeah, people over here will have no idea and can have no idea how spoiled you were growing up listening to Vin Scully. Uh, obviously, I've heard bits and pieces of Vin, but obviously not to the extent that you would have. And uh, what a character, what a legendary uh, man. And uh, certainly, he earned his retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, one his daughter is local and she bought Christmas tree ornaments that I made for his Christmas tree. So that's his. <laughs> Oh, that's as close that's as close to greatness as i've gotten that's, that's pretty bad. damn close that's excellent uh one more question and then we're going to open up a pack of cards here um let's turn to the fundraiser uh as an american as an artist and as a baseball fan what did the negro leagues mean to you well to me it's it's like something as a kid that you know growing up it was kind of passed over the importance. I mean, I didn't real realize the importance of that until I was probably, you know, late teens, early twenties. And it was just something that wasn't mentioned in history books. And, uh, the, the, the reasons for the need for the league were never, you know, they're, they're not, weren't brought out in literature back then. Um, and, and to me, it's just this, this, uh, the story that now is finally being told and embraced and, and understood. Uh, and especially in this day and age, uh, I think it's important to, um, to really realize the impact that those players had and also to kind of, you know, fantasize about the impact that they would have had, had the leagues been joined. Um, so, you know, you look back at a, a record like, Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig and say, well, what would Cool Papa Bell have done? What would Roy Dandridge, Ray Dandridge have done? How would Satchel Page have pitched Mickey Mantle? I mean, all these different things where, you know, the, the, uh, the, the scenarios that you play out in your mind are just endless. So I, I just think it's, it's good that the, the, uh, they're finally, the league is finally getting its due and it's long overdue. Yeah, couldn't agree more. 
Absolutely. Um, we're going to open up a pack of cards here, as I said, to have a couple of qu uh, qu uh, comments from people who are watching the stream that I think you might appreciate, uh, Greg. Oh, okay. uh, going back to going back to the Joe Kelly uh, pouts, Danny Quinn, my uh, Glasgow Comets teammate, who is an exceptional centre fielder. Okay. Whip it, whip it fast, you know. He plays like a Negro leaguer. Uh, this okay. guy, he's absolutely tremendous. He says uh, the Joe Kelly picture of Joe Kelly pouting in front of the mural of Joe Kelly pouting is probably the greatest picture on the internet. And uh, Stephen Loudon uh, has a, co a comment about Big Country. Uh, my wife and I saw Big Country New Year 1983 and 84 uh, show at the Barrel Land, which is an old famous uh, dance hall here in uh, Glasgow. Okay. I think it was shown live on MTV in the USA, a Scottish band, but none of them at the time were Scottish. None of the members at the time were actually Scottish at the time. They were just basically. Is that right? What, yeah, was, Stuart, what, what was Stuart Adamson? Um, he, I think, had died by that point. So he was, oh, I, I think, the it. only Scottish member of the band. And he, he died, uh, I think, in early 1980. I'm sorry. I misunderstood the question. I thought, no, never mind. What, I, Tony Butler was not with the band at that point. And was Tony Butler Irish, uh, Scottish? Um, I don't think he was Scottish, no. Okay. All right. But uh, Scottish, tell him because Scottish of that, people. <laughs> because of that comment, I'm going to make a Joe Kelly uh, decoupage flag, so stay tuned on that. Cool. Awesome, man. Awesome. Uh, one, uh, to that point, actually, Runrig, they're, they're currently lead singer, isn't it? Scottish, he's Canadian. Jason. Right, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, we're going to you know open a pack of cards here. If it's not like six-year-old music, you know, like, that, like I have no idea right now. Like I can tell you what's going on. I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and like, man, if it's not Frozen or Frozen Two, I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah, I, I had those wiggles. Those guys from Australia, the wiggles stuck in my mind for like. I think I just finally got them out. My youngest is sixteen now, but those I had nightmares about those guys. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just be able to tune it out for a bit, and then you, next thing you know, you find yourself humming the tune, and it's like, oh, come on, no, I don't need to see that. It. It's scientific. I can't, you can't avoid it. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. I've got six packs of cards. You're going to choose your pack to open it, and then we can talk about any of the players that we pull. Okay. i got 89 Donners. I'm a junk guy. Well, you've got 89? 89 Donners. Okay. 1990 Upper Deck. Okay. 91 Stadium Club. That's what I'm going to pick. Yeah, I'll go that one. All right. Well, there's yep. 92 Donners. 93 Studio. Or you go modern with the big league baseball. Let's do the 91 Stadium Club. All right. I said, I, I didn't buy any of these as a kid. I, I completely missed all these out. This is right when I started high school. So girls were more interested in the baseball cards. <laughs> Priorities were all Jason. So what it was, John, is these were high-end uh, baseball cards at the time. Like they were going for four or five dollars a pack because there was uh, a right. big explosion there. So as I said, it was either gas money or petrol money or or baseball cards. And I was just <laughs> the ladies as much as I could. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It wasn't going to be my, my Mark McGuire baseball card collection. That wasn't going to do it. So checks dig the long ball. They dig cars. <laughs> Probably about as much. They don't dig baseball cards as much. <laughs> so the first one is Mike Boddicker. So yeah. Yeah. Is he, is he on the Orioles there? He is. No, he's with uh, Kansas City there. But okay. on the back, they have his rookie card. 
and that's what is the Orioles. Oh, gotcha. But yeah, I know him as an Oriole as well. I don't remember him much as a, as a Royal. Uh, Tommy Gregg with the Braves. Good last name. Another Brave, Jeff Treadway. I think he was just a backup for the Braves at that point in time. Oh gosh, we're not, we're not doing very well. Rob Ducey for the Blue Jays. Yeah, this is not a good pack right no, so far. We we'll have to open something else here. Hold on. Gosh. No offense, man. Greg Harris <laughs> Sox. I think we got all the scrubs here. Is that is that a mullet, Asi? <laughs> there is a mullet back there. He's already he's he's automatically the best card with full just for the mullet. Scott Kamenecki? <laughs> we are not we're like over oh, 10 boy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not all right. There we go. Oh. Well, stuck together. This is uh, John Habayan. Yeah, I've heard of is there some sort of prize for picking the worst pack? I mean <laughs> it's it's pretty bad here. Pete Smith, the Braves. <laughs> I know. Who could forget Keith Smith? Oh, hold on. There you go. We got Eric Plunk. Was it the Yankees there? I mean, I remember as an A, but not the Yankee. We're not doing too hot here. All right, here we go. Those were the lean years, weren't they, for the Yankees? Yeah, yeah. The Jack Yankees. Clark. What? Yeah, Dodger fans don't like him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I got to understand that. <laughs> And then we've got oh, two cards all stuck together. All right. Dan Wilson for the Reds. I know Dan, he was a Mariner, so long-time catcher. And then Sil Campistano. <laughs> we got the world's worst pack. <laughs> Our best card is a 15-year-old is Jack Clark card. We're not doing very well here. My apologies. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> that, that's the fun of it. I mean, uh, you know, you never know what you get. I mean, how many how many packs of cards you've got? I'm like, crap, 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 and just you know, go through the whole box. So, yeah. At least now, now if that were to do that, we were to do that. The packs are now what? They start at like six bucks <laughs> a pack and go up. It's crazy. Uh, have you seen the trans uh, transcendent um, openings? I, I, I'm not a big fan of the, the openings. Right. Uh, and, and I really kind of, I focus on older stuff, you know, stuff where it's not going to come out tomorrow where, you know, everything we know about Mickey Mantle, we know about Mickey Mantle and Sandy yep. Koufax and Mays and all that and, and Musial. And to me, I can't see paying, and me and my, my sons disagree on this, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how in, could you pay $3,000 for a Mike Trout card when you could go back to 1910 and buy probably 40 cards of Hall of Famers for that same amount. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah, I mean, guys, and, uh, we all lived through the junk era. You know, we all had our Conseco McGuire cards, the, the Sammy Sosa cards, you know. Exactly. But, I mean, to me, the beauty, and, and, and it's also from the artwork standpoint, is, you know, after 1980, I kind of tuned out. That's fair. I was. Uh, I have another friend. We talk cards a lot, and he's like, every set you've seen since like the '80s is a variation of the cards from the '50s and '60s, and they've all just kind of gone from there. And I went yeah, back and looked at it. I said, "Yeah, I, I just never noticed that because 
I never started collecting the older cards till later. And it was like, you know, when I was just like, oh, it's interesting. That that one's off that one, that one's off that one. And it's really interesting how through the years they've just kind of taken their old style and just updated it. Well, to me, the biggest, the, the most persuasive evidence on that is when Top selected to do that living set. Yep. They went to the 53 set to do it. Yeah. It's pattern after the 53 set, um, which I think is one of the most beautiful. So that's another, I could, I could keep you on the phone for, uh, I'm, I'm an American, but I could probably talk like an Irishman for another 45 hours on this stuff. So. <laughs> All right. Well, then one last question then. So what's, what's your favorite card in your collection then? 1934 Gaudi Garrick. Wow. Okay. Uh, the, the head shot with a yellow background with that smile. Um, and you can see how long it took me to, to think that up, but um, <laughs> that's a card that will be with me until I'm no longer on earth and maybe they'll bury me with it as well. I just have always loved that card. And I mean, I, I probably got that card in 1978. Right. Uh, I, can, I can tell you where I bought it too. And that card will always be with me. Yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. So, well, Greg, it was fantastic to have you on. It was a lot of fun. We'll have to chat cards again another time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can say I'm internationally known now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the, the whole appeal for a lot of people is that they've had famous people interview them. They go, oh, we had the, these Scottish blokes. <laughs> they, they yep. <laughs> Everybody involved in this project is going global in one way or another. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening, uh, Greg. Uh, we'll let you go and enjoy the LA sunshine. And uh, we're going to plow through the, the cold of... Uh, Scotland and <laughs> come oh, back absolutely. ten minutes with another interview. I'll continue to sing the praises of big country out here, John. <laughs> it's funny I'm you should mention big country again. Right it's funny you should mention that because Stephen Loudon, who's uh, joined us with the, on the stream, he apparently is a big country super fan, and he's uh, corrected us both. Uh, Stuart Adamson was born in Manchester. Bruce was born in Canada. Mark in Slough, and Tony was born in London. But all four became okay. adopted Scots. So uh, none of them were actually born here, but they formed in Scotland. And uh, yeah, that's how they're fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so thank you so much, Stephen, for uh, putting this right. And uh, thanks so much to you, Greg, for joining us tonight. Thank you very much for having me, guys. Uh, no problem, man. Have a good one, man.